When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to the latest Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's high tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. I'm your proud host, Evan Hughes. We're pleased to be joined, as always, by Tech Sideline founder, the head on show, Will Stewart, and our managing editor, Chris Coleman. Guys, this is an important podcast. We've already got a growing number of viewers on our Facebook live feed, or if you're listening on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, we're glad you are with us. This podcast titled The End of the Buzz Williams Era, as we're recording on Wednesday, April the 3rd this morning, Virginia Tech confirmed that Buzz Williams departing Virginia Tech in Blacksburg after five seasons at the helm of the men's basketball program, he'll go back home and become the head coach of Texas A&M. I'll open it up to my co-host, Will Stewart, Chris Coleman. Guys, this is something that had been speculated for quite some time, and today it just became official. So I read a tweet, I think it was uh, Jeff Goodman, who said, and, and I had to, had to kind of quote tweet it and say, okay, which one is it? He said, so Buzz dropped a bombshell on his players this morning that he's leaving for Texas A&M, and the worst kept secret in college basketball is now out. And I'm like, well, which one is it? Is it a bombshell or is it the worst kept secret? So, uh, you know, Chris, was, uh, um, Chris wrote about this about a year ago, as early as March of 2018. You know, he said that, the whole Texas A&M thing was a possibility because of Billy Kennedy's yeah. health, uh, Parkinson's, and that he might be retiring and that Buzz might be angling for that job. So it's if, if you know enough and you were paying enough attention, you knew this was a possibility, and it, it's finally over. If you were a TSL involved. subscriber, you knew this was a possibility. <laughs> Which you could sign up ding for eight forty nine a month. $8.49 cents a month. Chris, you know, we were talking about before we went on the air that for a lot of people in any profession, they work very hard to kind of get to – that dream drop and as you said this was the culmination his career wanting to get back home to his native state of texas and go back to where he got to start at texas a and yeah i mean he's a texas guy that's where he grew up uh it's a dirt road guy is how he's described himself and uh that's that's the portrait he's painted anyway that's the portrait he's painted as he walks in his dirt road and his three thousand dollar suits <laughs> and everything like that but, yeah so uh, let me interrupt and say one of the one of the things one of the crazy things i've heard is that uh, and this was a couple of weeks ago that that jay wright was a candidate for the virginia tech job now i don't believe that so i floated it to somebody who no way yeah who ought to know and uh this person said Oh, I can't see Jay Wright in his $1,000 suits coming to Blacksburg. And I told Chris that line the next day, and Chris was like, well, how much do you think the suits Buzzwares cost? And, you know? Yeah. Well, again, we're glad you're with us on Tech Sideline. Of course, each and every week we are so proud and thankful to have the TSL podcast proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 15,000 people charged with moving violations. 30,000. 30,000. I'm sorry, did I say 15? 30,000. That number continues That's to right, grow. That's all right, because I interrupted you. People are now listening. <laughs> <laughs> For a free consultation, call any time, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031, or email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Well, as we get going on today's podcast, I thought it would be nice to look back at maybe the arguably the best five-year stretch that Virginia Tech men's basketball has ever had, in large part thanks to Coach Buzz Williams. A lot of terrific memories. Three consecutive NCAA tournaments, a Sweet 16 this year. His impact will forever be felt at Virginia Tech. So, you know, it's interesting that you say that about the, uh, the five-year period. I remember, now I didn't research ahead of time, so I can't give you exact numbers, but there was a four-year run where Seth Greenberg won close to 100 games. It was 90, 95 games. Seth Greenberg won a lot of games, but he only went to the NCAA tournament once. So Buzz, in his last four years, produced... Oh, my, uh, 89 wins. 89 wins. Well, you know, Seth was right up there, but, but the, the, the 
focus on March Madness and everything that, you know, that comes out of that, yeah, you can definitely um, um, perceive Buzz's stretch there as the most successful in, in tech history. Yeah, no doubt. It's the only time Virginia Tech's made it to three, made it to three straight NCAA tournaments. The only time they made it to a Sweet 16. Uh, you know, 10 and 8, 10 and 8, 12 and 6 in the – actually, th- 10 and 8, 10 and 8, 10 and 8, 12 and 6 wow. in the ACC. I mean, it's, it's very, very impressive. What, and I what looked he was it up in the last three years, it's against Duke, UNC, and Virginia, Buzz went 6 and 8. Right. And got really close to going mm-hmm. 7 and 7. You know, uh, I, I think there was a time when the NCAA tournament wasn't presented with, with as much pageantry as it is today. Now it's presented with so much pageantry that nobody even thinks about the NIT. And I know we've had some great moments in the NIT before, but I challenge anybody to tell me one team playing in the NIT right now still. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who's in, the ter- who's in there. I can tell you because I was working last night and I had the TV on. Oh, okay. Uh, Texas is in it. <laughs> I blanking on who they beat, but that's because I can't remember what right. I watched on TV right. last. And, night. and what's going to happen is, is Shaka Smart more is winning the NIT more likely to make Texas fans happy or get Shaka Smart fired? Oh, it's I, more likely to get him fired yeah. because for most programs the NIT doesn't matter anymore. So, uh, to, so for me, yeah, it, it, it's like what the college football playoffs have done to, to the, the rest, rest of the bowls, of bowls. right? I will say this, though. If, if you get a chance to watch the NIT championship, do it because Lipscomb is in it, and they got a guy named Garrison Matthews who can flat-out ball. So last night somebody on the board was like, oh, what about the Lipscomb coach? And I'm like, well, is he bringing Garrison Matthews with him with four years of eligibility? No, then no thanks. <laughs> this guy had 44 points in the quarterfinals. I don't know how many he had last night, but he was doing his thing. So if you get a chance to watch the NIT championship, do it. He's a, he's a player. A lot of great basketball still on. Of course, the Final Four coming up this weekend, which was entertaining. Uh, and, of course, this tournament will always kind of be um, remembered about the the process and, you know, of course, the recruitment of Justin Robinson and a ton of those great players early on in Buzz's career here at Tech. And then to this point as seniors, Sweet 16, what a thrill for Virginia Tech fans to have had this season that will go down as one of the best, if not the best. Yeah, I paid more for my Sweet 16 ticket than one season ticket for football cost me. And I was glad to do it, very glad to do it. Yeah, that, that, was, a, that was a great environment. Um, it was, I would say in terms of number of fans, it was half and half, Virginia Tech and Duke. The Virginia Tech fans made more noise because they are more emotionally invested in their team. I do think most of the Duke fans I saw there were uh, non-Duke alums. The Duke fan to my left is a student at Maryland. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and it was interesting because when when both fan bases were going full throat, they sounded roughly equal. But the preponderance of noise during the game was coming from Virginia Tech fans because Duke fans were pretty quiet until they knew they were going to win. Then they got excited and started talking trash. Um, but back to the topic of being in the Sweet 16, um, it only makes me want to be in the Elite Eight or the Final Four all that much more. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's nice it to go that, that extra weekend. And I think that, uh, you know, it, and we've talked about this. I think if Chris Clark had played for this team, I went into this season. When we went into this season, my goal was a Sweet 16 for the Virginia Tech program. They lost Chris Clark for the season to a suspension. Justin Robinson got hurt for, you know, and, and was out for how many games? Six weeks, games, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. I think if they had had those two guys, and everybody everybody talks about Landers Nolly too, but he's an unknown uh, quantity. You know, if you add Clark and Robinson for the duration of the season, make them healthy. My revamped expectations for this team were Elite Eight or Final Four. They were that good. Um, so it's nice to see you can succeed. You can have a team that good at Virginia Tech. It can be done. Yeah, that's my general takeaway. Um, This season, the Buzz Williams era, uh, to me, is validation that Virginia Tech's program can be very good if it's well-led and if it's well-funded, which is something we never had in the past, at least never at the same time. Uh, I think Seth Greenberg was a pretty good coach, wasn't as funded as well back then. Um, Now we we had both. We we had an elite coach, and and we put a lot of money into his staff and and everything like that. For me... I look at this through 
a strange lens, I'll even admit that. But for me, during my lifetime, the two greatest days of my Virginia Tech basketball fandom were the day Buzz Williams got hired as number one because I'd been waiting my whole life for Virginia Tech to actually make an to honest make effort. To make an effort. Right. The second greatest day of my fandom is actually today because – Whenever we've had a coaching change in the past, it's because the previous coach stunk and we had to fire him. For the for, most, for the part, most yeah. part, with yep. the exception of Bill Foster in, ni- in the mid-90s. Um, today, Buzz leaving to, for Texas A&M is validation that we are capable of going out and attracting a good coach and winning. I think, um, I think to, to phrase it more succinctly, this is the first time Virginia Tech's gone on a, a coaching search where they've been dealing from a position of strength. Correct. As opposed to a position, a position of weakness. Right. How strong, that's debatable, but it's certainly a lot better position than they've ever been. For sure. Again, we're glad you're with us. Tech Sideline Podcast here with Will Stewart, Chris Coleman. I'm Evan Hughes, breaking down some of the um, fun moments that Virginia Tech has experienced in the last five years. And I'll kind of wrap it up with this. I thought that Coach Williams did a really nice job um, the last month or so, kind of reflecting on where the program was when he started, and you heard the phrase 2-16 in, in ACC play, and then all the way up to this, it really has been a fun journey to watch being built here in Blacksburg over the last five years. I thought once he got his first full recruiting class under his belt, that was the one with Clark, Blackshear, and Robinson, Robinson yeah. and he added them to Hill and Bibbs, mm-hmm. guys that were already in the program. You could, uh, you could see the nucleus of a team that could be pretty good. The one guy I doubted was Blackshear, but uh, he certainly got a lot better. Um, and it has been a lot of fun to watch. Probably my favorite guy to watch was Justin Robinson. You know, we, we, like, all of, we like all of them, but I really liked Justin Robinson and watching him play. I remember as a freshman, he came on strong at the end of the year. That was the year they went to the NIT. And I remember sitting in Castle – when they ended the regular season beating Miami. I think Miami was ranked top 10 at the time. Does that ring a bell, Chris? Yeah, yeah, it does. Now, I thought they were overranked. They weren't that good, and they didn't play that well that day. But they were a top 10 program, and Tech throttled them. And I remember Robinson making some three-pointers and playing really well. And then as a sophomore, I thought he dipped a little bit, um, particularly his three-point shooting. But then I think he got better as a junior and a senior. And it's a shame his uh, – um, it's not accurate to say his career was cut short. The number of games he got to play was reduced. Yeah, I remember when he after he set the assist record, and there were so many games left in the season. I'm like, man, he's going to blow this record away. Yeah. And the very next game he gets hurt. I'm like, oh, are you kidding and me? And if you look at how he was playing at that point, man, oh, okay. that guy, they were talking about him nationally. And then, boom, he goes out and hurts himself. Again, continuing on the Tech Sideline podcast, of course, I think – you know, another thing, too, for Coach Williams, we mentioned you know, he gets to go home, and he did such a great job here. And I think the final point before we move on is that he left this program in a much better place than he found that. And I think a Virginia Tech Hokie Nation will forever be grateful for that. You know, he's being criticized by some for never really buying in here. Um, but, you know, that that's kind of what we expected. We kind of yeah. knew he was a guy to come in. And, and I think that's what Witt hired him to do. I don't think Witt had any preconceived notions that Buzz was going to stay here a long time. Uh, I think, you know, the whole going back home thing, um, I think that I think Buzz was a good fit here and he could have been happy here. But, you know, he, he chose not to. And it almost looks like he was planning on – doing his thing for five years, building up a solid uh, a record here at Tech, and then moving on. Um, but he made the program better. Uh, they're going to have some roster issues next year. That's my only concern heading into next year. But overall, he really raised a profile of that program. One of the things I did was I went back and watched the year that Tech went 2-14 and 14 or 2-16 and 16 in the ACC, whatever it was. They almost beat Duke at home that year. That was the year that uh, – um, they had that play at the end, and Jalen Hudson had a shot at the basket to tie it as time expired. No, that would have been to win it. I think. Would have been to win it, yes, because it was tied. It went in overtime. Um, but the thing that struck me watching the replay of that game was how many empty seats there were. There were probably 8,000 fans there. And right down at courtside, there were empty seats throughout. You could see them. Uh, Virginia Tech fans hadn't shown up to see a bad Tech team play Duke. And the Duke fans – hadn't bought up all the extra tickets so it was kind of I'd kind of forgotten that you know that only about 8,000 people showed up that day so the level 
of, and I've said this on the podcast before, the level of interest in the program is high again, like it was when Seth Greenberg got fired. Yeah, and I, I, the last thing I want to add is don't don't assume that because Buzz left, he disliked Virginia Tech or something like that. Don't take it personally. It's like it's it'll be like like be like if you're from. If you're from Virginia, if you're from Richmond and your whole family's in Richmond and you had a job in Texas and all of a sudden somebody in Richmond was going to pay you, oh, I don't know, a lot 60% more, <laughs> more money uh, to come live with your family where you grew up, okay? It doesn't If you take that job, it doesn't mean you hated Texas. It means, it means you're taking a job for a lot more money to be close to people you love. So it's it's so so don't feel like it was some kind of unhappiness with Virginia Tech and 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 don't start talking like oh he treated Virginia Tech as a stepping stone blah 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 every every school is a stepping stone at pretty, some point pretty much every uh, LSU is one of the top ten football programs in the country Nick Saban treated them as a stepping stone Nick Saban treated the freaking Miami Dolphins as a stepping <laughs> stone. Uh, Roy Williams treated Kansas as a stepping stone. Kansas is a, t- is a top 10 basketball program. Fred Hoiberg, an Iowa State alum, treated Iowa State as a stepping stone. Frank Beamer was that close to going to UNC, in which case he would have treated Virginia Tech as a stepping stone. Uh, it's, it's just there, there's just so few schools out there, if any. I mean, uh, Patino originally treated Kentucky like a stepping stone to go to the NBA, Right. I mean, it happens to everybody. Um, yeah. Feel happy that somebody actually wanted one of our coaches for once. That, that's how I'm looking at it. I think the perfect way to close this segment is the saying, don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened. That's, so that's a, I agree with that 100%, 100%. A great five years in Blacksburg and exciting times here in the program. Wishing Coach Williams and his family nothing but the best down at Texas A&M. As we'll step aside for a break, when we come back, we're going to go through Chris's article posted on TechSideline.com today as we begin to take a look at potential candidates to replace Coach Williams in Blacksburg. You're listening to the Tech Sideline podcast proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back to the Tech Sideline Podcast. So glad you are with us, whether you're watching on Facebook Live or you're listening on Apple Podcast or SoundCloud. We're glad you're with us with Will Stewart, Chris Coleman. I'm Evan Hughes. Of course, so thankful that we have the Fisher Law Firm, proud partners of the Tech Sideline Podcast each and every week. Folks, we highlighted in the beginning, this is how we're going to kind of go about the rest of the podcast. CC's got a terrific article up on TechSideline.com that's available to our subscribers only, $8.49 a month. You're going to get a lot of terrific content here from Chris, kind of looking at the field right now and potential candidates that could be coming into Blacksburg as the new men's basketball coach. Chris, I'll get your thoughts first of all, because you thought this was one of the longer articles you have ever written. It's when certainly you, one of them. When you composed this, what were your thoughts about the search before you started to so the time after you did research and finished it? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I, I, I think when I started it, I don't think I developed any new feelings uh, by, by the time I got to it. I think I started thinking in a more mathematical sense. As in, when Virginia Tech hired Buzz Williams, he was proven as far as his ability to go head-to-head with elite coaches, right? You hire somebody from a smaller conference, they might have gone to five straight NCAA tournaments in the Big South. But who are they coaching against? But who are they coaching against? You don't know that they're going to make that transition. I mean, Brad Brownell made NCAA tournaments at Wright State and UNC Wilmington. At Clemson, he's made one NCAA tournament in nine years because he's facing a higher caliber of coach. So unless you pull somebody from a Power 5 conference, an upper-level type conference. Power 6, Power yeah, 7, yeah, however you want yeah, to find yeah, College basketball is a little bit different. Unless you hire somebody who's gone up against elite-level coaches and made NCAA tournaments against elite-level coaches, you don't know that it's going to work out. In fact, history suggests that it probably will not. So I, I do think if you play the percentages, if you just purely play the percentages – uh, take out your any gut feel you might have. 
um, than hiring someone, hiring a Mick Cronin, someone who's gone head-to-head with major coaches in the Big East, who has beaten Buzz Williams head-to-head, who has beaten Jay Wright head-to-head, has gone to the NCAA tournament nine years in a row. In a row. Uh, who rebuilt that program in the Big East when the Big East was top-notch. Uh, that's the safest hire. Greg Marshall would be a very, very safe hire. Uh, and so uh, – that that that's I think I don't think I ever looked at it from that angle until I started writing that article. Will now that this search it certainly feels as we've said different than past searches before. Of course, this is someone who is leaving the program in a better place, not letting go of a coach. So, you look at the field, some names that just jump out to Will Stewart. Hmm, that's attractive. I would be curious to learn more about them. I'm laughing because I just can't get over my buddy saying. Jay oh Wright. man, you do look like you're wearing a Miami shirt. Evan, <laughs> uh, from from the angle on the camera, you can't even you can't see the, the 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 middle. You just see the orange on one side and the green on the other side, and it looks like a, a you. Yeah. <laughs> we, we interrupt this podcast. <laughs> okay, it is it is not in Miami. Live <laughs> not in anyway, Miami. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Um, when I look at the field, uh, you know, right or wrong, I'm not sure this is the direction you wanted me to go in with my answer. But one of the things the next guy is gonna. Uh, have to have to go up against is that regardless of what you say about buzz buzz was an interesting dude Mm -hmm. he was uh i don't know that fun's the right word he was just interesting to watch i i dislike boring coaches i do not like boring coaches because i gotta write about stuff (laughs) um and buzz was man you know whether he was doing his own thing and you were watching it like a show or you felt some particular connection to him he was interesting so most of the guys in the field aren't that, in air quotes, interesting. They're good coaches. But, you know, how are they in, in front of a, a mic and all that stuff Buzz spews on Twitter, all these quotes and life lessons and all that stuff. So he's he's, he's a true eccentric. He is by far the most, you know, and stop me if you think I'm wrong, he's by far the most unique coach in Virginia Tech history in football or basketball. He's, he's a character. I think know? he's the strangest, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah. strangest, most interesting person I've ever been around in my entire life. <laughs> no question. So looking at the field uh, and, and, you know, kind of building on what Chris talked about, it, it's just don't just look at the record and don't just look at the number of NCAA tournament trips. Look at the environment a coach has coached in and the coaches he has gone up against. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Chris has, has a list of candidates there. He's got them ranked and we'll go through them. And I want to jump right into one of the first questions we got on here is Shaka Smart, a candidate. When you said, look at the environment they've coached in. And if you look at every single VCU coach has had in recent years, let's start with VCU. All of the VCU coaches have success at VCU because it's a relatively easy job relative to their competition. Uh, They can take partial slash non-qualifiers. Academic standards aren't high. They're, they're in an urban environment, which is easier to recruit the to place in basketball. They play in as a pit. You're, place they play in as a pit, and you're not coaching against elite coaching talent in that league. Uh, but whenever a VCU coach leaves, he generally does not have as much success. Jeff Capel got fired from Oklahoma. Uh, Anthony Grant got fired from Alabama. Uh, Shaka Smart, after looking like a genius at VCU, in reality, he never won the regular season conference championship. In, in the BC, A-10 it, right, or the CAA. Or the CAA, yeah. right. Never did. Had that magical run uh, to the Final Four one year, but a lot of teams can catch lightning. So in a what, you, like what year in his tenure is he at Texas? He just finished his fourth year, and he's 31 and 41 and he, in, and he, in, and in lost, conference competition. And he lost to Radford at home this year. Right, in his you know fourth that. year when, in a team complete with his own players. He's going against much, much better coaches on a, on a weekly basis at Texas. And he's nowhere near as good a coach as a result of it. Yeah. So that's my point. Uh, so you know, just don't like you said, don't just look at a guy's career record. Consider who he's coached against, what league he's coached in, how easy or hard it is to recruit players to that school. And and I talked about having to follow Buzz's personality. Well, one of the things I've come to think over the last year and a half is, you know, I thought Buzz was a good coach. And then in the middle of last season, his defense wasn't performing well, and he changed it, and they were, and the team immediately got better. He lost Chris Clark. You didn't even notice it, notice it except maybe for that Penn State game. 
Justin Robinson gets hurt and he keeps winning. And I have developed the opinion. And, oh, by the way, when he had to tie Duke on a last-second shot, Ahmed Hill got a point-blank look at the basket. Buzz, Buzz can coach. That's Jamie McNeely, by the way. He does all of he does all of Virginia Tech's inbounds plays. Yeah, so all right, but but that's fair, Buzz's fair, staff. He he knows point. he knows how to hire assistants, which goes into goes being, into, being a good coach, right? Yes, but but Buzz is uh, Buzz is probably a top ten X's and O's coach and program runner in the country. So that's the other thing you got to follow. And when you start thinking about it like that, when you start talking about who have coaches coach against and you start comparing them to Buzz's ability to coach, you start to realize there's not a lot of candidates out there. You hope you get a candidate that does hear what Buzz did, which is take Virginia Tech to the Sweet 16. And anytime you're at the Sweet 16, you're within shouting distance of the Final Four. And that'd be quite an accomplishment at Virginia Tech, which is what Buzz did. So as you look at the list of candidates, you start to, you know, you can list 10 names, and immediately three, four, five of them are not capable of, of doing probably not capable of doing right. Virginia Tech what Buzz did. Right. So there have been a lot of reports over the last couple of weeks, and Chris did a really nice job of kind of breaking that down in his article. I think the best way to start is to go through Chris, Chris I was about to call you Chris Clark, Chris Coleman's um, top five list that he has right now on his article. Again, it's available on techsideline.com. I'm going to start with your number one choice, Chris, and that is Greg Marshall. At Wichita State, somebody who is coached in Southwest Virginia, Coach J.J. Reddick. Grew up in South, uh, hold on. No, he didn't coach J.J. Reddick. Correct, Marshall? He? No. no. He did not. I'm sorry. I'm he, making, he, he went to he Cave, went to Cave Spring, Spring. Cave Spring High yeah. School. Southwest Virginia guy yeah. <laughs> with roots. Apologies. Thank you for catching me. Sorry. But a guy who understands the New River Valley, the, the community here in Blacksburg, has had a lot of success at Wichita State, the Power 5 level, multiple NCAA tournaments. He's your number one choice. Tell me why. I think his history of winning, uh, um, I think when you when you look at, when you're looking at a guy from a smaller conference, you know, he originally started at Winthrop, which I believe is in the Southern Conference, right? They're not Big South, they're Southern. Winthrop was Big South. They were Big, they were big they, South. They used okay. to be Big South, I remember, because Radford used to butt okay. heads against them okay. all the time. Okay, um, so when, when you're looking at a coach at that level, you don't want to just see two or three good years or, or a good year every one to two years. Uh, I think you have to look at consistency, consistent NCAA tournament appearances. And that dude made the NCAA tournament almost every year at Winthrop. And then he gets the Wichita State job, and he makes the NCAA tournament almost every year. Uh, not this year, ironically, but, uh, you know, Buzz didn't make it his last year at Marquette either. That was the only year at Marquette he didn't make it. So uh, I, I think enough time and enough evidence has accrued where I can say that Greg Marshall's an elite coach. I think most people feel that way. Yeah. yeah. He has made the NCAA tournament 12 of his 18 years uh, as a head coach. I remember a couple of years ago he beat Kansas in the Sweet 16. That was a big win for Wichita State. Yeah, they made the Final Four. Yep, and, and made a deep run. And a guy, again, who actually got his start at Randolph-Macon as an assistant. That's a small D3 school in Ashland, just outside of Richmond. So uh, knows a lot about the area. Right. Uh, now, I don't think Marshall's likely. Um, yeah, now, now, Chris, you referenced an article. I, I, I didn't read it, it. It's an ESPN article written a couple of years ago about whether he would ever leave Wichita State. And he really likes it there. He goes to the same places to eat every day. And Wichita State basketball is the biggest show in town. There's no football program. Everybody, he's the number one person in that entire city, uh, which I think means a lot to him. Uh, he would not be that way at Virginia Tech. You know, I, I know a story about when Buzz first got here, Buzz used to dip, right, dip tobacco. No and, Right. So uh, he goes to, like, the cigar store because he they do specialty orders for people sometime and because he, he wanted a particular kind of dip, and they wouldn't order it for him. Because no, your average person around Blacksburg just didn't pay attention to basketball and didn't know who he was. So it was that day that Buzz started playing in the league five that years and later. That <laughs> and when the Virginia Tech Athletic Department put a picture of his assistant in the article when they introduced him as Virginia Tech's head coach. I right. remember that. Right. So this is not a basketball-centric town. Meanwhile, Greg Marshall out there in Wichita, you know, everybody wants to go to their games. It's the hot ticket in town, right? And that's not necessarily the case at uh, – at Virginia Tech. Um, 
And also, more to it than that, Wichita is apparently a big aviation community. I did not know that. So with his contacts in that town, he's got his own private jet for recruiting there, which is very important to him. Um, now, Buzz has access to a university jet when he needs one, but he doesn't have one, at the, or he did not have one at the drop of a hat at Virginia Tech, as far as I know. As far as we know, yeah. Um, but there's just a lot of really unique things that, that Marshall – looks for and it's not necessarily about money he's been offered more money than he makes now at wichita state and he said no so it would take a very unique situation for him to leave there and i um maybe it is now maybe he can say you know what i've accomplished all i can accomplish here i don't want to retire one day not knowing how i really matched up against an acc coaches on a day-to-day basis if he was going to leave it would be because of that see that's not a, because that's of a, how much money he would get off. that's the exact point i wanted to make when i fantasize about jay wright coaching virginia tech basketball which is completely ridiculous <laughs> um you know these guys that 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 when you know he's won a couple national championships greg marshall's done very well at wichita state you got to wonder if they lay in bed sometimes at night and go I wonder how I would do in that crucible of a conference coaching against those great coaches. And what if I had the resources to recruit a recruit? I don't know that Jay Wright can recruit any better. He can't. You know, he no. recruits very well. But you got to wonder, Greg Marshall might be thinking, what if I was in the ACC? How well could I recruit? And could I go up against Coach K? And, Instead of having and one Fred Van Fleet in 10 years at Wichita State, what if I could get five at Virginia Tech or yeah. something like that? Yeah, you know? you know, so you never know. Um, and that's true not just of Greg Marshall, but other coaches on that list possibly. As we keep going down CC's list on his article, Greg Marshall was at number one. At number two is a name that has been out there and a lot of speculation around, and that is Mick Cronin um, of Cincinnati, somebody who's been there for quite some time. He has made nine consecutive NCAA tournaments. Uh, He has been to the big dance many of times, and he does have a relationship uh, with Virginia Tech Athletic Director Whit Babcock to his time before. Now, Whit did not hire him. Let's be careful to point that out. When Whit arrived at Cincinnati. He uh, inherited him, yes. So, at number two, what stood out to you most about Mick Cronin? His career record and the fact that he's made nine NCAA tournaments in a row. Uh, and, And... you know, the Big East is not as good as it used to be as far as the coaching talent, but he rebuilt that program after Huggins wrecked it in the old Big East when he was going up against the Jim Calhouns and the Mike Braves when Notre Dame was in that league and Jim Beheim when they were in that league and when Buzz Williams was in the league at Marquette. They were, that was when the Big East was as good or better than the ACC, probably better, quite frankly, in certain years. And he rebuilt Cincinnati in that league against that type of competition. I think he's a very good coach. Uh he has recruited he's, well at times. He, right. At he's, times very well. Right. Especially early in his tenure when the Big East was better than it is now. Um, so if you don't mind me jumping in. Yeah. Um, so at this point, what is it called? The AAC now? Well, yes. Yeah. The American Athletic yeah. Conference. Yeah. So so he's been there. He's been there coaching in a really strong Big East. And now he's coaching in the AAC. And you got to wonder, um, I think the AAC, I don't even know what channel the AAC is on. You know, it just didn't get a whole lot of attention. And you got to wonder if he's kind of chafing a little bit. Maybe he's having trouble recruiting compared to when he was in the Big East, and maybe he wants to be in the ACC and, and have that help his recruiting. And maybe he wants to take the measure himself against, like I said, ACC coaches. I think he has the highest floor of any coach on my list. He would definitely win. Yeah, we're not sure about his ceiling. Right, we're not sure about his ceiling, but he's most definitely got the highest floor. Like, we would not sink back to the Ricky Stokes era with Mick Cronin as our head coach. We we would be a good program. So, again, that is number two on the list. And, again, you mentioned the success that he's had. He's been very, very consistent um, at his time with the Bearcats of Cincinnati. Number three is a name that is familiar to the area, someone who has been an assistant coach in this program at a time. And... Virginia Cavaliers fans know quite well. (laughs) Head coach of UMBC, Ryan Odom. And this is one that's very intriguing. You've got a lot written about him here. Of course, he is known. That has been one of the highlights of his career was beating UVA as the 16. What intrigued you most about Ryan Odom? I'm actually very close to having Odom number one, to be quite honest with you. And and, and it's... That goes against my brain where I like to look at stats and, 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 and just make the best stats-based decision. Yeah, you're, calling, like you're calling this a feel. This pick. is a more of a gut feel on my part uh, because he's never coached against you know elite coaching on a week-by-week basis. But 
Uh, well, let, let me. Yes, take your article. Let me take my article and, and uh, basically read it. Uh, you know, in the four years before he got to UMBC, they were twenty-eight and ninety-five. Awful. That's an average of seven and nineteen each year. That is great math yeah, on the top that, of your head. That is very impressive. Uh, I, I are good at maths. <laughs> uh, in the three years since he's gotten there, eighty-nine and fifty-four. So from twenty-eight. And ninety-five to eighty-nine and fifty-four. He won immediately against at the one of the worst programs in the country. The year before he got there, they won seven games. His first year there, they won twenty-one. His three seasons have been the three highest winning individual seasons in UMBC history. Twenty-one wins twice and twenty-five wins another time. Um, so besides that job, he was an assistant at Virginia Tech for seven or eight years under Greenberg. Two thousand three to two thousand ten. Yep. He uh, very much understands what it's like to recruit at Virginia Tech. He knows the culture here and, and everything like that. He's got uh, a great pedigree as far as his father, who was coaching legend Dave Odom at Wake Forest. I mean, I remember watching Dave Odom's team. He, he was Tim Duncan's coach, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. All those good. Back when Wake Forest was good. You know, Wake <laughs> Forest is like everybody else. When they, when they have a really good coach, they're really they're good, good, and when they don't, they stink. Yeah. You know, that, it just basically comes down to that. Um the only, the only thing that preventing Odom from being number one on my list is the fact that he's accomplished this against – I don't even know what conference UMBC is in, but not a very good America one. East. Is it, is it? Okay. I don't know. If A-E-C? you say so. AEC? That rings a bell. Okay. Yes, AEC. Uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. That, um, notice I, did, I haven't mentioned the win over UVA. You know, that's just one game. That's just one game. You don't hire a coach based on one name. I don't. Did anybody hire the Chaminade coach after well, they beat UVA WV, back in the 80s? WVU hired, hired Bill Stewart off of one game. That's fair. And look how that well, worked look out. How that I'm just saying, out. you don't do it. Right. So that's the reason he's number three. If I had – if he had experience, not even necessarily in, in a power five, but if he had ever coached at a mid-major level rather than just a low-major level and had the same kind of success, I would actually – probably bump him up to number one um so that that's the only reason he's number three on my list although i part of me really wants to put him at number one uh i think tech fans would like him he's a legitimately good dude and uh you know he made plenty of friends in this area when he was in blacksburg for so long i think somebody asked who would be the best cultural fit out, out of everybody on my list and, and i personally think odom would be the best cultural fit i, th- I think tech fans would, would like him very much we we mentioned you were you guys were saying a little bit earlier. It's important to kind of look at the overall picture, right? And who they've been competing against. You loosely touched on it, but will with Odom does it concern you at all from the America East to the ACC? That big of a jump does is that a concern that oh, jumps yeah, out that, to you? I would yeah. say that's the concern. Yeah. Um, and and there I really you know he made a good case. Chris just made a good case for Odom. That's the number one concern. Yeah. Maybe that can be ameliorated a little bit because and I hope I use that word correctly. Because he has coached and recruited at Virginia Tech, um, but yeah, that's 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 the big flag that goes up where you're like, oh, he might get chewed up and spit out. I also talked to a college scout last night, and I specifically asked about Odom, and he said one of the top two to three evaluators I've ever encountered. Evaluators as far as evaluating recruits. So uh, I, I I really like him. I that but again, it's a gut feel. You know, you know, it's the old argument in baseball, right? Uh, do you go the Billy Bean route and, and look at advanced stats and things like that? Or do you trust your scouts more? Well, obviously, you got to have both, right? Um, so, and, and sometimes you have a gut feel on a player. Sometimes the, the numbers are there. Sometimes the numbers are there, and then you have to send your scout out to look for the player and see if he can hit a curveball or something like that. But uh, I, I think Odom, all the numbers are, are there for him with the exception of experience against Power 5 coaches. And, and I, it's just a gut feel. I can't explain it, and it could be completely wrong. And at some point he could get a job and and it's at a bigger school and be a complete failure. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it's, We it's, hope not. We hope not because I really like Ryan Odom. <laughs> Again, very successful there. I think the big number that stands out the record before yeah. he was there at UMBC yeah. and then now what he's So he can clearly to. coach basketball. Like uh, I, I think he, he can take guys and make them better immediately. Well, and so he, in, in that respect, is a high-floor kind of guy. I would agree with that. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think he would come in here and be a complete bust. Right, right. He's not going to go two and sixteen. Maybe, maybe the first maybe year. Maybe the while first they, year. Yeah. Fill some roster. Or maybe spots. not. 
Yeah. I mean, he took them from seven wins to 21 wins. So, who knows? So, coming in at number four, to recap again, we are going through Chris Coleman's article that he posted about potential candidates here to replace Coach Buzz Williams in men's basketball here at Tech. One was Greg Marshall, two was Mick Cronin, three was Ryan Odom. At number four, a name that has really gotten a lot of attention on social media the last couple of days, Steve Wojciechowski, uh, or commonly referred to as Wojo, of course. The I finally spelled Wojciechowski correctly for the I first time today. thought it was is it? I could have pronounced it wrong. I thought it was Wojciechowski, but I... We're just going to call him Wojo until we figured it out. Okay. okay. Uh, so Wojo, of course, a, a star player in Coach K's program back at Duke. He replaced Buzz Williams as the head coach at Marquette. Uh-huh. And he's been successful there. Really has done a nice job. NCAA tournament this past year. Marcus Evans, one of his star players, is one of the top scorers Five points in the entire nation. So, Will, I'll let you get the first crack at it. What do you think about Wojo? Well, first of all, he's got a cool nickname. It only takes four letters to type. Uh, I've seen one or two interviews with him. I like his personality. Um, I have, you know, his name has been the hot name this week, um, except for the, the guy from Seton Hall's <laughs> gaining on him. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about come him around today. the final turn. Yeah. Uh, so his name's been the hot name this week, and so it's 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 getting play on the message boards. And what surprises me is I don't see a lot of Duke recoil. Oh, he's a Dukey, you know. I don't see a lot of that. I see a little bit of it. Um, and so along those lines, your other concern is, um, oh, yeah, Coach K is going to retire three, four, five years from now, and Wojo is going to be the guy for that job. We don't know that. Um, Mike he, Bray. He, well, I look, Mike Bray's 56. Yeah. So, but, you know, um, we don't know that. And I actually reached out to a person who is uh, fairly high up at Tech, and, and I, I expressed that sentiment. And his answer was, that's okay. If Duke wants to hire him after he's done here, that means he's done a good job here and we'll just go get another coach. So uh, I, that's one way to look at it. Um, so what, I'm, I'm, I think I'm leaving one more thing out. Uh, he certainly knows the landscape in the ACC. I like that. Um, he has coached at a pretty decent program at Marquette. And – Man, I just got a feeling that he would also be able to recruit as well, particularly at an ACC. He recruited well, like Marquette. Too. Yeah. Um, By the way, it's Marcus Howard, not Marcus Evans. They're I thought someone scorer. wasn't quite right about yes, that. Yes, yeah, Marcus yeah. Howard. Uh, but I'm a genius with names, so I kept my <laughs> mouth shut. Uh, again, you know, he was an assistant at Duke from 1999 to 2014. So talking about a, a lot time. of time yeah. under Coach And Ken. he started out as like a grad assistant, like a really, really low-level grad assistant. Yeah. yeah. McDonald's All-American in 94. He was the NABC Defensive Player of the Year in 1998. So I think out of all of the names on this list, probably the most accomplished player is Wojo. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember I was a kid when he played. I was in high school when he was on their team. And, uh, yeah, really good player. I mean, the face of uh, – arguably the face of those teams. Uh, I, th- I think that's a hire that, it, you know, the Steve Mar- – uh, Greg Marshall hire also uh, fits in this category. That's a hire that if you made it, you'd get a lot of play nationally. It would because because he has a name, yeah. right? Absolutely. Um, I think Wojo has done a good job at Marquette. I think you no, know, the Buzz Williams tenure at Marquette actually went similar to when it, how it went at Virginia Tech. Right? Buzz Williams went like seventeen and fifteen his last year at Marquette, and he's not a seven and fifteen coach. It means he wasn't recruiting as well at the end of his tenure, just like he has not recruited well at the end of his Virginia Tech tenure. And then his last recruiting class got gutted when Ahmed Hill decided to come here. Mariel Shayok went to UVA and he, then finished. And he brought uh, Shane. Didn't he bring Shane or uh, Satchel, no, Satchel Pierce? Pierce yeah, yeah. yeah. But, which it was not very good. But, but uh, still, it was the numbers thing. It, right, right. So they had a whole – I think one of that class stayed at Marquette. And Wojo was coming in as an assistant from Duke, so it's not like he could bring a bunch of – recruits from his old right. school there yeah, good point. so they were gutted with talent when buzz left so it took a rebuilding year um but then uh he won 13 games that first year didn't just like sign, buzz didn't, didn't he sign a five-star guy his first year there his first full class yes yeah. uh first year, full full uh recruiting class uh so it took just like buzz at virginia tech it took a year they had a losing record the first year then i think they won 20 games their second year uh then made the ncaa tournament then made the nit then made the ncaa tournament again uh, when when you look up and down his recruiting classes, you see a five star and a lot of four stars. Um, so I, I think he's capable of, of recruiting. Um, I think he would be a solid choice. So why is he at number four in your list? 
He'd be higher up. Yeah, 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 it's just gut feel that Odom's a better coach. Let uh, me, I don't know why. I'll read the last two sentences from CC here on, on Wojo. Quote, the raw data suggests he would be a better hire than Ryan Odom, but my gut tells me that he wouldn't. I'm going with my gut and putting him below Odom, but I would not be unhappy with this hire. End quote. That sums it up perfectly. So it's basically four guys we've listed so far you'd be happy with. So that turns to number five, and it kind of comes a little bit full circle with how we started this conversation, and that yeah. is VCU head coach Mike Rhodes. A uh, little background on Mike Rhodes. He was one of the many talented assistants on Shaka Smart's 2011 Final Four team. Mike Jones, the head coach of Radford, was on that team. Will Wade, LSU head coach, was on that team. On that, and on that uh, staff. staff. I'm sorry, coach. Right. Yes, correct. And Mike Rhodes was. He comes in this year. He wins VCU's first ever regular season title, which is hard to believe. You follow VCU basketball, the amount of success. They had never won the regular season tournament. Uh, they did lose in the 8-10 tournament. They were highly favored. And reports were saying if they had won it, they would have been as high as a six seed in the NCAA tournament. They ended up being an eight, losing to Taco Fall and UCF in the first round. I'll start with you, Chris. Uh, this is a guy who is really regarded as one of the good guys in the sport. And just... Uh, Speaking culture fit, to me, right. somebody who could fit in very he's well. certainly here. a blue-collar guy. I agree with that. Uh, he's from Pennsylvania originally, but he started his coaching career at Randolph-Macon as an assistant, then took over the program, took him to a bunch of division, I guess they're division three. Division, division, division three, three, yep. three NCAA tournaments. He's been coaching in Virginia since the 1990s, except for a brief stint when he went to Rice as their head coach for three straight years and turned their program around. Then he came back to VCU as their head coach. Um He's wanted the tech job for a while. This would not, assuming he's thrown his name into the ring, which I would guess he has. Why wouldn't you? Um, assuming he's thrown his name into the ring, this is not the first time he's done that. He's wanted this job before. Um, obviously, at the time, he, just did, he didn't have enough head coaching experience, uh, particularly for for a guy like Whit Babcock. Um, and still. The numbers aren't necessarily there. Rice for three years, two of which were losing seasons, shouldn't be held against him necessarily because Rice was a bad program before he took over. And then had a good year in his third year, then took the VCU job. Um, Which, if I could jump in real quick, by the way, it's his second year. And he, what he inherited, right. coming from Richmond myself and kind of following VCU basketball, he inherited a program with a lot of p players that were in their senior year that w were there for Shaka, mm -hmm. two years for Will Wade, mm -hmm. and then it was the third coaching change in a matter right. of like oh, six years. So, so much transition. I mean, so yeah. I almost you have to put that first year Cor away. Absolutely, yeah. Agree 100%. Um, now I've talked to a number of different people about Rhodes, and they uh, feel like he's a really good fit. Like we were going to hire any of those VCU coaches. That's the one. That's the one that would be the best fit for Virginia Tech. Um and Tech fans would like this. He would not have one foot out the door. He would work really, really, really hard at this job. and uh, He and would keep recruiting year after year. Yeah, <laughs> things like that, exactly. And, I, and I, he would have a system. He would bring that Havoc system and recruit to his system. Yeah. Uh, now, but so I, I would not be opposed to it. Um, he, but he's, fit. he's not as high on my list as the other four guys because the history of VCU coaches – Going to other, going to Power Five schools and not having success because they're facing uh, better coaching talent, and quite frankly, at VCU they could out talent everybody they they coached well, against. Right, so they're they you bring that system into leagues where there are better players, and and do you really want to run the havoc system against a team like Duke and have Zion Williamson? I know he's not going to be there next year. You run that havoc system against Duke oh. and Trey Jones, and you're running the risk of Zion. You run it against, 10 or 12 you run it against Buzz Williams and Justin Robinson. They're going to destroy it, in in my opinion. So uh, to, if, if that's if that's all they got from the VCU coaching right. tree, I'm not sure that's going to translate well to the right. ACC. And well, one thing I don't watch VCU as much as I used to, but I still do. And you know, just a school that you know only like 25 minutes from my house. They don't do as much havoc stuff as they did in 2011. Is right. it still the focal? Probably yes, but they are not full court pressing right. like Shaka. I feel like does it a lot more than Mike Rhodes does. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. Uh, that's how I feel too. And you can't keep doing that year after year sure. after year, or teams are going to get used to it uh, for something like that. Now I don't know enough about X's and O's of it to really have some kind of a comment on. On, on that it, part of it. It's probably like playing against the Syracuse zone. If you do it all the time, you're not intimidated by you're it. You're not you as intimidated. Right, right. It's, yeah. still, it's still you get out there and you got to do it. 
but but there's no shock and awe factor to it. Yeah. Like, yeah. like like when they went to the NCAA tournament that year and made that run to the Final Four, they're facing a bunch of teams that got out there and were like, "What in the world are these guys?" And they doing? didn't have a lot of time to prepare either. Correct. You know? Absolutely. Particularly right. if they had to, if VCU played a game and then two days later you got to play VCU, you got one day to prepare for that. That's right. That's right. I'll also say this about Mike Rose for you know, so VCU of course they, they have a very loyal fan base, right? You touched on Siegel Center, how great of an environment that mm-hmm. is. It I sure mean, is. unbelievable. And when they went with Will Wade instead of Mike Rhodes, there were a lot of VCU fans that definitely wanted Rhodes to after Shaka. Will Wade did a fine job there. But this, as he has said, has been a dream job for him to go back to VCU. That's a school that means a lot to him. Not mm-hmm. saying that Virginia Tech wouldn't mean a lot to him either. Yeah, but I'm curious only two years. that Yes. So it, all all interesting things. I, I would, I'm sure he would take it if offered. I, I sure, mean, yes. You never know. I mean, if you, if you got a chance to make that much more money. In the and, ACC. Uh, right. You don't know if that chance is coming along again. Yeah. You better jump on that. Well, that's the same thing about Shaka Smart taking the Texas job, right? I mean, he really loved VCU, but not many times UT Austin comes calling. Absolutely. So, uh, that so again, to round out the five that Will has at number one. Chris has. I'm sorry, Chris has. I apologize. Um, number one is Greg Marshall. Number two is Mick Cronin. Number three is Ryan Odom. Number four is Steve Wojo. Steve Wojciechowski at Marquette. And then number five is Mike Rhodes of BCU. And let's reiterate, that's my own personal list. Correct. I, I don't know what Witt is thinking. Uh, <laughs> Witt did not text Chris that he list. He didn't text me that list. You know, when Buzz Williams got hired by Virginia Tech, we did not hear that he was a serious candidate until the day he got hired. Yeah. So, and, and I also want to – point out to fans how coaching searches work you know you're going to hear a lot of rumors and you have heard a lot of rumors already i mean two weeks ago one to two weeks ago mick cronin was the leader leader in the clubhouse yeah i got an email that said i guess you've heard it's cronin it's cronin right and then yesterday you hear well i guess you've heard it's wojo and then today, some people are saying it's Kevin Willard of Seton, Seton right. Hall. Which, so, yeah. so the job has been open now for approximately four hours, and we've already <laughs> had three leading candidates over the last two weeks, right? This is the nature of coaching searches. You're going to hear a bunch of rumors. One of them will eventually be right, but most of them will not be right. right. And, and I, I don't think Kevin Willard is going to get the job. I'll, I'll, I'll point that out right Kevin now. Kevin Willard of Seton Hall. Of Seton Hall. And that's how I kind of want to wrap things hey. up, right? He is – so according to national writer Adam Zagoria, mm-hmm. that this is one of the front runners for the job. All Coming right. from Seton well, Hall, four NCAA tournaments. He was an assistant coach with the Celtics late 90s, early 2000s. Assistant under Patino, then to Seton Hall. Yes, that's the background on him. Mm. Yeah. Uh, recruiting coordinator, I actually believe, for, the for Patina. <laughs> right, yeah. So, <laughs> so let that sit. Coming in hot. So let me I, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I was right. going to say, let me ask you, why would he? Why did he not make the top five on your personal well, list? Well, I just took him six or seven years to make his first NCAA tournament at Seton Hall. And then he made it against the diluted. Uh, the diluted Big, Big East, East instead of the, the, yeah, the, the Big East that we once knew. I don't think he's a bad coach by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I – don't look at him and say, man, yeah, that guy can do really well in the ACC. Um, I also think, you know, he's got an assistant coach that is apparently wrapped up in this FBI investigation. Uh, I, and right now it doesn't look like he has anything to do with it, but, you know, you never know. That could change three months from now. And just like that, you've got a Tennessee Donnie Tyndall situation where they had to fire him after 16 games because of stuff he did at a previous school. So I just – I don't see that hire happening. Uh, somebody also, also – uh, thought about uh thad mata the old ohio state coach who i think would would be a fantastic hire but you know he left ohio state because of health reasons and i haven't seen any indication at all that he's interested in returning to to coaching so i did not have him on my list otherwise he would have been in my top five maybe even number one on my list the only other name I want to bring up, because that's the only one other one left in your report, is Ed Cooley of Providence. Mm-hmm. Five NCAA tournaments, 254 overall wins. Your thoughts? Yeah, I like Ed Cooley. Are they in the Big East? Yeah, Providence. Okay. Yeah, uh, But again, he didn't really start making his hay at Providence until that's the, the Big East question. fell apart. I got confused. Right. Yeah. Pay no attention to the guy in the corner. <laughs> um, he didn't really start making his hay at Providence until the Big East dropped off. So uh, I think he's a good coach. He would be somewhere on my if I expanded my list a little more, um, but but I, I wouldn't be a hundred percent comfortable with that. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent comfortable with most with most candidates. Though. Well, you know, once you get below that top it's, four, it's, or top five on that list. Well, even 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 them. 
Well, I don't think it's 100%. Greg Marshall, I think, is probably the only guy I'd be 100% comfortable with, him and Cronin. Um, See, or or me, any fantasy hire like that, Mata. But. For me, it's Wojo. He's further up my list than he is yours. So, Will, I'll wrap it up with you. We heard Chris's list. Again, Will Stewart's personal list. You can give me as many names as you want. What is your list off the top of your head? Well, Jay Wright is 1A, one, <laughs> one 1B, one and 1C. One right. Once you get beyond Jay Wright, um, I'm, I'm starting to kind of like the idea of hiring Wojo. If you can convince me that Kay is not going to retire three years from now, I want Wojo to be here three to five years before he moves on or if he moves on. Uh, after that, I, I think it's probably a tie for me between Cronin and, uh, and Ryan Odom, with maybe Odom a little bit behind Cronin simply because Odom has not coached at, at as high a level as, as, as Cronin has. So who, who else is there? Greg Marshall. Greg Marshall. I just I just don't think that's going to happen, so I don't seriously consider it. Um, and then the the fifth one was Mike Rhodes. So for me, it's what did I just tell you? Uh, Wojo, Cronin, and Odom, and then Rhodes. But I have my misgivings about Rhodes because mm-hmm. of the VCU stuff that we talked about. I do want to make the point though that, and uh, this yes, Captain Obvious reporting for duty. This is a really different job than it was five years ago. And it's not just because Buzz proved you can win here. If you look at the the uh, the uh, nature in which Buzz exited, where'd you hear about it officially first? <laughs> Virginia Tech put it on their website and said we. Th- and and it wasn't Buzz Williams is leaving Virginia Tech. I think the headline was something like Thank Virginia you. Tech thanks Buzz Williams. Mm-hmm. And this was such a kiss and breakup kind of thing. You know, no bad words from either side. And coaches pay attention to that stuff. If I'm successful here and i got to move on, how am I going to be treated? They certainly uh, paid attention to how Seth Greenberg got fired. Yes, and we have a different athletic director now. And, oh, by the way, any of these guys can call Buzz Williams up and say, what was it like working for Whit Babcock? And, and Buzz, regardless of everything that's been said and written about him, he loved working for Whit. He, he thanked Whit the entire five years he was here. And Dr. Sands, of course, the president of Virginia Tech. Yeah, yeah you know, so, so Buzz will give a glowing recommendation to any coach that calls it. It's always good to have a amicable breakup, if possible. And I'll throw this scenario Everybody out comes out looking better. Exactly, and I, I don't think this will happen by any stretch of the imagination because I think Buzz is too good a coach for this to happen. What if it doesn't quite work out for him at Texas A&M? And what if five years from now Virginia Tech is in the market for a coach again? Would you hire him again? I would, in a heartbeat, in a New York minute, he'd be number one on my list. Absolutely. Because he's already proven that he can win here. Yep. And again, it was a remarkable five years of Coach Williams here in Blacksburg. So many great memories. Three consecutive NCAA tournaments for the first time in program history. A Sweet 16 appearance for the first time since 1967. That's just about going to do it for our podcast here. The first one of the month of April. Hard to believe, recording on Wednesday, April the 3rd. We have had nearly 70 comments on Facebook Live. Chris, anything jump out to you before we sign off? You know, I just want to reiterate to just ignore all the rumors. I don't ignore them, per se, but... Have, have fun. Have fun know. with it. Yeah, don't let every like, name in, freak in, you out. In this example, I, I tell people, I've been talking to, to people about Jay Wright for two weeks, and I'm like, listen, I know it's not going to happen, but it's fun to talk right. about. You probably need to stop talking about it before somebody <laughs> says, Will Stewart says we're going to hire Jay Wright. Yeah. <laughs> then I'd have to go on Twitter and say, no, I did not. Right. It's just, this is fun stuff to talk uh, about and go over. Yeah. All right, so if you hear a name that you don't like, don't freak out. Because it probably won't happen. You're going to hear a bunch of names, and they're going to go on order. And it's probably nothing more than that's the order in which Whit Babcock is, Babcock is doing background research on all his candidates. Or it could be an agent throwing a, a guy's name out there because he wants it to raise at, at his current job or whatever. So, like, Kevin Willard's not getting name has been thrown out there today. I'm personally not a fan. Don't think it'd be a good hire. Not freaking out about it because I don't think it's going to happen. Because it's, it's, he's just the latest name on the list. We didn't know Buzz Williams was a candidate until the day he got hired. The same thing could happen this yeah, time. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see if Wick right. pulls a rabbit it, it, out it of the It could hat be a guy time. we didn't even mention today. Yeah. Uh, like, so if you went to Vegas right now, you bet on all five, five of those guys, they each had a percentage, and over here you had field. More people would bet the field, I think. Just my, just my opinion. Well, again, great work from Chris. You can check out his full article, TechSideline.com. For subscribers, it's eight forty nine a month. Well worth the purchase and uh 
it's going to be a busy week on Tech Sideline. It's a busy time on the message boards. Uh, what can we expect the rest of the week? I don't even know. <laughs> oh, man. We, 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 we literally have just been – it's like uh, drinking from a fire hose, as I always yeah. say. I, I, honestly, we're going to finish recording this thing, and I don't remember what I'm supposed to do next. I'll have a Friday Q&A on Friday. That's all I can promise. <laughs> Well, oh, there oh, I guess I guess I should write an article about Buzz's tenure in Blacksburg, but uh, you know I don't know. Uh, I enjoyed it. I had fun, and there's lots I could say. I'm about mentally it. fried after writing two articles today, so I don't know if I'm personally going to write anything tomorrow. Yeah, or not. I'm just you know I'm ready to move on and uh, and kind of pay attention to what's going on and uh, you know hang out with people on the message boards. Man, that is a long article. Evan's flipping through the article, and that thing is long. That's easily 10 pages right there of great content. Check it out, <laughs> techsideline.com. Of course, stay with us on social media, at uh, Tech Sideline on Twitter and Facebook for all of the latest Virginia Tech news. Guys, this was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Yeah, it was a great it. time. Appreciate it. Andy. Absolutely. For Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, I'm Evan Hughes. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great week, Tech fans. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. <laughs>